Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Have you ever missed out on something because you had prejudged that thing all wrong? Uh, my high school basketball coach told me an awesome story once that um, he, had, he had gone with a group of players uh, to an inner city to play some street basketball on a, this really highly competitive street, street basketball court. And it's one of those courts where you have to wait your turn for the chance to play. And if you win, you stay on. And if you lose, you get to sit and wait again. And now my coach and his four teammates, uh, they were the only white guys that were out at the court that day. And nobody knew who they were coming into play and frankly, nobody expected them to be any good. Um, but as he tells it, once his team got on the court, they ran off three straight games. They, they won three straight games, got to keep playing. And I love what he said next. He said, to everybody there, we were no longer the white players. We were players. That's it. We were players. And I absolutely love that. Uh, Coach and his teammates proved that they belonged. All the prejudging was gone and they were just in the group. And let's be honest, there is a preconceived idea in many people's minds about basketball. If you're white, you're probably not that good. If you're short, you're probably not that good. Uh, I've always loved getting on the basketball court and trying to prove that prejudging because of those two things was gonna be ill-advised. But in the basketball world, it's a prejudgment that it happens all the time. And we miss out on so many things because we prejudge stuff. Have you ever tried eating fruitcake? Yeah? Uh, Well, I haven't, and I never will. That stuff looks disgusting. My mother-in-law makes fruitcake and she swears it's great. I don't care. Like, I'm not eating something that looks like meatloaf cake with fruit and then only God knows what else is in it. You know, sorry, I have prejudged that junk. I ain't eating it. Am I missing out? Maybe. I don't care. You know, I also almost missed out on a really good line of movies, the Marvel line of movies, because I thought Iron Man looked ridiculously stupid and Batman is DC and he's the best. And so I almost missed out on a, on a lot of really fun movies because I, I wasn't gonna watch Marvel. I prejudged Subway's chocolate chip cookies. No, no way can Subway make a good chocolate chip cookie, right? I mean, think about what they did with pizza. Like it's, their chocolate chip cookie can't be good, but I tried it. It's the best chocolate chip cookie around. It's soft and it's gooey and it's just good. It's amazing. And I almost missed out on that because I prejudged it. And if we're not careful, we're going to miss out on the beauty that God has put in this world because we're quick to not give some things a chance. Uh, Last week, Eric asked us a really difficult question through the story of Paul. He asked us, "What what are we blind to that we aren't even aware of. And today we're gonna actually ask, I think another pretty similar question. What are you missing out on because of prejudgment? And this time Peter is gonna be, he's gonna be our case study. Uh, Peter was the best friend of Jesus. He's also the one who denied Jesus and then found redemption and became the rock of the early church. But even then Peter had some residual judgment that was lingering in his heart and in his mind and it was disrupting his ministry. And so this part of the story of Peter is found in Acts chapter 10. And we read, starting in verse 1 through 5, it says, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion 
in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. And Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. So this guy Cornelius, he's not a Jewish man, he's a Gentile. He's, he's a Roman citizen in the Italian regiment. And historically, Jews have not thought too well about non-Jewish people. But Peter wouldn't have any problem with Cornelius, right? I mean, Peter hung out with Jesus. Peter knows that God loves everybody, right? Well, we'll see. It says in, in verse 9, About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Okay, now I want to break down for you what actually happens next in this trance that Peter's in. God gives Peter a sort of vision. He shows Peter all kinds of animals that according to Jewish law and Jewish ritual, they're unclean for him to eat. But in the vision, God tells Peter, kill and eat. Go, do it. And Peter's appalled. He, like, he has the gall to actually say, surely not, Lord. And God's like, are you telling me no? And don't call me surely. No, I, I threw that one in there. It, it's not exactly how the conversation went. God actually says to him in verse 15, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And then scripture goes on in verse 16. It says, this happened three times and the, immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. And while Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. All right, let's stop for another minute. Because uh, maybe you're sitting there thinking, you know, I think about people exactly how God wants me to think about people. I love people of every race. I love people in my neighborhood. I pray for people in government, even the ones that I didn't vote for. I think all the right things about all the people in all the world. And if that's the case, great. But I'm not sure that we all think that way. Consider this for a minute. Peter hung out with Jesus. He saw the way that Jesus loved others. He saw Jesus love Gentiles. And he was even chosen to lead Jesus' church. So he must know how to love everybody, right? Then why did God have to set him up for this encounter with these Gentiles in this way? Realize what God did here. He showed Peter a bunch of animals that Peter thought were dirty and unclean, just so that God could say to him, no, Peter, don't say anything is unclean that I've made because what I've made is clean. Why is it important for Peter to see that these animals were clean? It's because Peter also looked at Gentiles like they were animals. Have you ever looked at someone like they were an animal? No, not me, I love Jesus. I would never degrade someone to the point of looking at them like they were an animal, Kellen. Really? I'd get four Pinocchios rating on that one if I honestly tried to say that I didn't look at people like an animal sometimes, like they were animals. We all have people that at our very core, we look at them as if they weren't much better than an animal. 
maybe it's the person that you heard got caught molesting a child. Maybe it's the person that was caught embezzling money from their employer. Maybe it's the person that committed an act of terror. But let's be real, those aren't the only people that we consider unclean. Those aren't the only people that we treat in our mind as if they were no better than an animal. Maybe for you it's the loud person. Man, why can't they just tone it down and leave me in peace? Since we started homeschooling this school year, oh my goodness, my kids are loud. <laughs> Maybe for you it's the know-it-all. Like, man, they think they know everything, but they're dumber than a rock. Maybe for you it's the successful people. Man, they're probably the biggest jerk to work for, but they're successful. Maybe it's the physically attractive people. Man, they think they're so amazing and life must be so easy for them. Or maybe it's people who struggle with their weight. Man, doesn't that person have any self-respect, self-discipline? Or maybe it's the person who's not very smart. How in the world could I have a conversation with someone like that? Now, do you hear it? Do you, do you hear the pre-judgments that go on in our heads? Or am I the only person here who's a horrible person and doesn't always think glowing thoughts about the people around me? No, you know what? I'm on social media. I know that we all struggle with treating other people at times as though they were animals. We dehumanize other people. We put their worst qualities up in the spotlight and we make them out to be solely that. And we see no backstory whatsoever. We see no other qualities that can offset the human faults that we highlight in our minds. And to put it plainly, we find no room or reason for grace sometimes. I actually came across the following quote on Facebook this week, and it might be the one redeeming thing that was on social media all week long. It's a quote from a woman named Mary Lou Kaunacki. I'll be honest with you, I don't know who that woman is. I've never heard of her before, but she said something awesome. Uh, and this is her quote on Facebook. Engrave this upon your heart. There isn't anyone you couldn't love once you heard their story. There isn't anyone you couldn't love once you heard their story. Now seriously, I think this is such a good piece of wisdom. It's actually a lesson that I try to help people who, uh, who come on a mission trip with me walk away from, from that mission trip. When I take kids up to the Lac de Flambeau Reservation, uh, they're, they're put into a situation where they come across kids that maybe act differently than they're used to seeing kids act. Sometimes during our VBS, the Vacation Bible School, uh, we do, it, it seems like things get out of control sometimes, but I try to connect the people on that trip to the story of those kids. Those kids are coming from a different kind of home life maybe. Maybe they've, they've had less advantages afforded to them. And when you see people learn those stories of someone else's life, it's impossible for them not to fall in love with those kids. And here's an important thing for us to remember. Every difficult person you know has a story. That story humanizes them. The real story about what another person goes through in life, it will always humanize them when we sit down to really listen. But the story that we conjure up in our minds about someone else, the fake story of their life that we imagine, that story will always aim at dehumanizing that person. What's the story that you're trying to hear about another person's life? The real story that connects you to them or the fake story that you tell yourself that causes you to separate from them? We're always listening to a story about somebody else, but which story is it? Now, the only story that Peter once cared about hearing was whether or not somebody was a Gentile or a Jew. If he heard that somebody was a Gentile, that was all that mattered. At that point, he tuned out 
the rest of their story. At that point, he could dehumanize that person. At that point, he deemed them as an animal. But it was time for him to hear a different story, a fuller story, the real story. And here's how it went. After the men who were sent by Cornelius found Peter, they urged Peter to come with them to go to Cornelius. And when Peter finally arrives at Cornelius' house, this is how the conversation goes that ensues. It, it starts in Acts 10, verses 27 through 35. Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So, when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I, may I ask why you sent for me? And Cornelius answered, Three days ago I was in my house praying at this hour. At three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who's called Peter. He's a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. And then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts everyone, every nation, from every nation, the one who fears him and does what is right. Now, Peter pretty much starts off by saying, okay, so up until now, I've been, I've been listening to the fake story in my head about you people. Uh, I've seen you as Gentiles only, and in my head, that was enough to warrant separation between you and myself. But then he relays the message that he took from what God showed him when he, with these supposedly unclean animals. He says, God has shown me that I should not call anyone or really anything impure or unclean. After all his time with Jesus, it wasn't until this very moment that Peter finally got the message. That message is one that you and I still need to be reminded of today. And the message is this, no one is unclean, no one is an animal. Let's go back to our question that we posed earlier. What might you be missing out on because you've prejudged something? What relationship might you be missing out on because you've prejudged that person? What good thing might you be missing out on because you're treating un, as unclean something that God is calling clean? And there are many ways that I think this, this can happen. It goes back really to what, some of the, what Eric shared with us last week. Are there things that I'm blind to in life? Are there ways that I'm wrong? Peter's prejudice, which is also his prejudgment, that's what prejudice means, it had to do with racism. If you weren't Jewish, then you weren't fully human. Here's the crazy thing. For the Roman centurion, these Romans, they felt the same way as most Jews, but just the other way around. If you weren't Roman, you weren't fully human. And so that, that kind of prejudice thinking, it does nothing but cause separation. Racism is by definition the act of separating yourself from some other type of person. But Jesus died to put racism to death at the foot of the cross. Jesus died to bring us into relationship with the Father. He's all about connection. He's all about bridging that gap, that chasm that's between us and God. He's never about separation. And so maybe racism isn't your prejudice of choice. Honestly, I doubt it is for probably anyone listening to this. In 2020, we... We like to find lesser, seemingly less evil ways to create separation between ourselves and to put ourselves on a higher plane of humanity than somebody else. 
One of the ways that I've struggled in my prejudices is in the form of prejudged faith. And you might, that might sound weird to you, like, yo, Kellen, what the heck is prejudged faith? Okay, as someone who believes himself to think and believe the right things about God, it's easy for me to look at somebody else's supposed life of faith and judge it as not real or not real enough. Maybe you've had this thought before, like, man, you call yourself a Christian and you think like that? You call yourself a Christian and you vote for that party? You, no follower of Jesus I know would really do that and still think of themselves as a Christian. Man, I'm so bad that I'll look at fellow ministers and try to pick them apart in my mind, picking out every bit of pride I see in any inauthenticity, insecurities I see them in somebody else, a wrong, something wrong in the belief system, any hypocrisy, like you name it. I can find a way to drive a prejudiced wedge between me and another minister if I want to. And every time I do, it's with one purpose in mind. It's to animalize that person's faith and to exalt my own faith, to, to make that person out to be some kind of animal. It's no different than racism. It's seeing myself as better because of my faith and seeing someone else as less than because of the story that I'm willing to tell myself about what their faith is. But here's the real story. I'm never as perfect as I try to convince myself that I am. And the person that I'm dehumanizing is never as messed up as I try to convince myself that they are. Usually we're probably both somewhere right in the middle. Instead of trying to separate myself in my mind from someone else, I need to proactively find ways to connect myself with that person. And that's what I love about what happens at the end of this story in Acts. You know, we just read it. Cornelius is telling Peter that he was told by God to send for Peter. And he says in, in verse 33, now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. And then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and who does what is right. Peter just realized that his connection point to Cornelius and every other Gentile person was that they had a need for God just like he had a need for God. Whether Gentile or Jew, both were made right in the image of God. Both were, were people that were fully loved by God. Both are in need of the grace that Jesus offers on the cross. Now think about that. What if you reminded yourself of that every single time that you felt the onset of prejudice or prejudgment coming into your heart and mind? If you reminded yourself that that person needs the grace of Jesus just like you. You know, the fake story we tell ourselves is, hey, that person, man, they're, they're just an undisciplined fool with no prospects of adding value to my life. But maybe the real story is a little bit more like, hey, that person is God's creation who has loved so much that Jesus died for them too, just like me. How can I add value to their life? Or the fake story that we tell ourselves is, man, <laughs> that mom is just a lost cause who doesn't know how to be a good parent. I want nothing to do with her. But maybe the real story sounds a little bit more like, hey, that mom probably has so much stress going on that I can't see. And I wonder, I wonder if in God's infinite love and wisdom, I wonder if there's something that he wants me to do to help alleviate some of that stress. Do you see the difference between the prejudice and the fair judgment? The prejudice is the fake story that tells you whatever you want to hear to make yourself the hero and figure and the other person the villain. 
But the fair judgment is the real story that puts both you and that other person in the same predicament of being created by God and needing the same amount of grace that Jesus offers freely to both of you. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm all too often eager to make my differences with someone become the headline of my story that I tell myself about that person. You know, when I think about person A, yeah, he believes that? I could never connect with him. Or, man, she has super annoying quality about her that I, can't, I just got to keep my distance. But what if, you know, just what if our differences became the footnote in our thoughts about another person? What if the heading became the Jesus-centered kind of headline? What if the heading in our thoughts about another person becomes, man, that person needs the grace of Jesus just like me, and maybe I can show it somehow? Can I be honest? Like, this is so hard for me to preach. It's so hard to preach because I fail to live a prejudice-free mindset every day of my life. Even, even as I was preparing this message this week, I'd get done writing, I'd get in my car, and I'd catch myself instinctively going right back into prejudging everybody that I was come ac- coming across. Somebody that I was seeing walking down the s- sidewalk as I'm driving home, and I, I had a prejudiced thought go in my head about them. You and I need help. Like Peter, we're often blind to our prejudice uh, against the very people that God is wanting to show His grace to. I need help today to stop treating people like animals. God had to show Peter that the animals that he thought of as unclean were in fact clean. And he did it all so that he could show Peter that the people he was treating like animals were also clean. I don't want to treat people as if they're animals anymore. I want to treat people as clean, as people that Jesus went to the cross for. I want to treat people as though they're on an equal footing with me because, frankly, they are. Like, what about you today? What, what good things in your life, what life-changing relationships might you be missing out on because of your tendency to prejudge people? And thankfully, Jesus didn't show prejudice toward us and separate himself from us. He chose to see us in the best light possible as though we are worthy of grace. Who might you need to start seeing as being worthy of grace in your own life today? Why don't you pray with me? Lord, I thank you so much that you see me as worthy of grace. God, there are people every day in my life that I look at and my instinct is to feel like they're not worthy of my grace. My instinct is to to shut them out. My instinct is to in my mind, tell myself a story that makes them out to be, to become like an animal so that I, so that I then exalt myself to a place that's higher than them. God, forgive me of that. God, forgive all of us of that. I'm not in everybody's brain, but I think that as humans, we all tend to work like this at times. God, forgive us. Help us to have grace on people. Help us when we have those prejudiced thoughts go through our minds where we prejudge someone God, bring that conviction. Show us that we're in the wrong at that moment. And help us to have the humility to say, God, change change my heart. I want to be changed. I don't want to think this way about people. And God, as we begin to change, may our relationships with people become more God-centered and Jesus-focused than they ever have before. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What we're going to do now is we're going to take communion together. 
And I'm so thankful that Jesus didn't prejudge us and, and he didn't condemn us. Romans 5, 8 tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He saw all of our faults, all of our imperfections, and the heading that he writes on our story is not, <laughs> you're condemned. The, the heading that he writes on our story is, I love them, I forgive them, they're mine. Let's take a moment to remember the gift of God's grace that he gave to us by going to the cross for us. As we take communion together, the, the bread reminding us of his body given up for us, the juice reminding us of, of, us of his blood that was shed on our behalf. And as we think on his grace, let's ask God to fill us with the same kind of non-judgmental grace for people around us today, around us this week, every day, Let's ask God to, to, to let his grace flow through us as it's flowed into us through the cross. Let's pray again. Lord, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for your forgiveness. God, I ask that that, that forgiveness would permeate in our lives, that it would take hold of every aspect of who we are. That grace would begin to flow through us. We thank you for your body and your blood that you gave for us, for the forgiveness of sins. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.